Hi. Hi. How Hello. are you? Hello. Welcome back to uh, Film Critters. Film Critters. <laughs> um, yeah, we're here today to talk about a a bit of a controversial flick. This one's this one's for the girls. This one's we finally girls have their uh what would be like Lars what would be like sub Lars von Trier? Oh god. I I mean it feels like uh, I don't know, it's like Fight Club for girls. That's like, you know, Joker kind of, for girls. Yeah. Yeah, jo- Joker, yeah girl Joker. Joker for her. Joke <laughs> comma her. If you oh will. My god. <laughs> Yeah, um, we watched uh, Promising Young Woman, um, which promised a lot. A lot. And and delivered (laughs) very little. (laughs) Delivered something. Yeah, I guess just to kind of start us off. uh, Hey, Jay, what'd you think of the movie? Uh, I've said this before. it, It takes a lot for a movie to be like something that I like hate hate oh yeah and this hits like all of the marks in that it's the rare film where the like actual like political or like the actual real world politics of the film uh disgust me the politics within the film uh disgust me (laughs) there's a lot of like really just wasted squandered possibilities and potential which like always pisses me off in a movie uh that has like all that that could have been so much better um and uh it's also just it's also just got a really annoying media environment around it it's it just hits like all the things i hate about about movies and like it takes a lot it takes a a movie has to be like not evil but like evil in a really banal way for me to like be disgusted by it (laughs) well yeah i I mean yeah we kind of have a lot on our plate today because there's like not only you know the the film is uh certainly making waves on its own um but there's uh kind of some context uh, around the film to go into um but yeah i i'm i'm functionally on the same page i kind of think that this is evil um an evil movie uh that should not have been made um and uh i would say my reasoning for that is uh we can kind of start off with the actual content of the film don't really know so obviously as we all know it's kind of a rape revenge it's about a uh woman who pretends to be really really drunk and then she goes home with guys and then she kind of um harangues them and i i kind of thought it was going to be more murdery <laughs> yeah I, I i i said this on letterboxd if it she should have been more evil like she should have yeah. been more murdery like <laughs> that that was the problem like first off right out the gate that was my problem was that she was like fucking candid camera mtv's gotcha like fucking yeah. like oh which a the structure of like the way that those happen like really criminally does not seem to understand the imagery and psychology of the things it's playing with because it's like aha you thought i was drunk but i'm not i bet you don't want to have sex with me anymore (laughs) (laughs) and it's like 
I think if a guy, even if a super creepy predatory guy was in that situation, I still think you'd be like, I mean, do you want to have sex? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, yeah, it, I, I, the whole thing where it's just like, you know, where, where it kind of sets itself up as this, you know, like Miss 45 kind of thing, you know, uh, and then it's just, oh, look over there, look over, oh, you're on punks, blah, I'm not, I'm not drunk, I'm, I'm an actress or whatever. I tricked um, you. It's so limpic, it's so fucking pointless, uh, and it's, you know. Obviously, so there's kind of an ethos um, that the director uh, kind of, you know, had had talked about that Emerald Fennel, the director, had kind of talked about where it's like, oh, I'm not going to make some candy coated like rape revenge where she's like, you know, where everything works out and she's like, she does a great job and um, she's safe from men because you, you're never going to be safe around men or whatever, which is fine. I, I applaud the, um, I applaud the sort of thought process there of kind of at least wanting to be a little bit deconstructivist. Uh, the problem is we kind of, uh, it's not a good movie. The, like, the problem is she, also she kind of is safe. Like that was the thing about yeah. the, those scenes that made no sense to me is that she's always like, and the director is like, like I wanted it to be like, she's so powerful. Like she takes the power back in these situations. And it's like, she doesn't. Does she? Does yeah, yeah she like she, like like you you in within the universe of your film you basically create a situation in which the thing that men think, which is that women have all the power and control in these situations and can stop it anytime they want, is true. <laughs> like you literally created a world in which that is true and that yeah. it happens repeatedly. <laughs> oh my god. Yeah, so there's this weird effect where for a rape-revenge, like, thriller that's, you know, supposed to be feminist, there is so much rape-apologia, ap apologia, how the fuck do you pronounce that? Uh, basically, the film is like, oh, but it's actually, it, you know, it's not that bad. Uh, case in point, there are several scenes uh, where the main character is like, she basically is like, for for one example, she encounters like a, a a college like counselor or something like that, and she's like, "Oh well, if um if you don't have a problem with rape on your campus, then I guess you don't have a problem with the fact that I uh you know have uh, left your daughter alone with a bunch of boys, a bunch of frat boys. Well, I'm I'm crazy. I'm so fucked up, which is uh so unbelievably cynical and disgusting to me. Um, the same thing also happens during another scene where she confronts one of the people who. Uh, didn't believe her when she when her when her um was it her fucking friend or sister literally just her friend just like yeah, her her friend who by the way in a film that is a feminist deconstruction of the rape revenge genre is a rape victim who literally is not in the film <laughs> because she's dead because so she's like, dead we don't even literally... get flashbacks with her we don't hear anything yeah. about her we just hear Carrie Mulligan's opinion of her. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Which in a better film would be a very smart comment. Does not seem to have been a thing that was thought out much in this film. <laughs> For real. It, it's uh, it's unbelievably frustrating. Um, so there's that. And there's, and there's also the kind of obvious elephant in the room tastelessness of calling the film Promising Young Woman, which is, of course, a reference to Brock Turner, uh, a real life thing that had real life victims. Um, 
and is real life traumatizing to real life a lot of people uh but you know i mean like that's just kind of the territory i guess it's especially disgusting because like I, I'm, I'm double checking this uh, to make sure that I, I have the right case, because unfortunately, there are so many cases like Brock Turner. But it's it's also disgusting because it's like, you know, obviously appropriating that, yeah. <laughs> like everything around that. And then the 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 sexual assault at the heart of the film is like a cart is 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 literally the like rape culture constructs of like this is what is rape everything else is not yeah it's because yeah the, the the thing at the heart of it is like literally that she was gang raped at a party and everybody stood around and laughed at it but it's like those aren't the kind of incidents that are like a particularly common in most cases of like sexual violence that women experience or that anyone experiences and B are usually not the ones that get, that get like lesser sentences for the men because they're promising young men. Like the, the Brock Turner incident was a very specific setting and set. The film kind of approaches with the use of like college and alcohol, but then it heightens it to a level that is very much so just like, Oh, what was the actual case not uh, believable enough for your film? Like, is that what you're gonna get? Here? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, like, just, just super cynical. Just really, just really disgustingly using the imagery uh, and the, the the actual sexual violence that a real person who is like 23, like not even like like that long ago of an incident, like a very young person still, uh, uh-huh. to, to to tell a movie that does not really have anything important to say about about its subject matter and like that scene with the with the the counselor is so unreal too because it's like it's like ha i left them with boys and it's like i if you're trying to construct the argument that this counselor like no like like the, the scene seems to be implying that the counselor like knows that her all of the college boys on her campus are rapists <laughs> Like, I don't know, like, like, I don't get why the implication wouldn't be like, oh, well, my daughter will tell them that she's 17 and they won't have sex with her because that will be a felony. (laughs) (laughs) Right. Which, like, yeah, it's it's just kind of such a half-assed statement. And it's definitely one of those kind of second wavy movies where it's just like, boys, right, ladies, which is like. Not super also, helpful in kind of deconstructing the sort of like pervasiveness and structures around rape. Um, also, kind of, kind of ends up recreating the rape culture argument that like boys will be boys, and that it presents this world yeah. in which like all men do this. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, for real. Which is which is more permissive. Like it's you know, and yeah. I, I, I I I struggle to kind of recognize how people don't see that but you know whatever that's kind of the frustration with this movie because like yeah like the the film doesn't the film doesn't present present any of the perpetrators as serial predators which is actually how it functions like in real life like a lot of times when a person has finally got like been arrested or gone down for sexual assault or rape or anything like that usually there's a history of it there's like a history of accusations that just weren't taken seriously until then. 
Uh-huh. Uh, Brock Turner, right. if I remember, had like two or three uh, like claims against him before the the one that got him attention. Like, like that's. But this film presents it as if like she goes, she's like, oh, I go to a bar and I do this every week, and like it always happens. And it's always a different guy and none of them are connected. And it's like, this stuff is very prevalent, but the film doesn't, doesn't present it as anything other than just like, oh, this is just a thing that all men do. Even men who seem good, they all do it. Right. Yeah. And that kind of plays into the sort of like subplot with Bo Burnham, um, where he's like a male feminist uh, or whatever. And he like drinks the coffee with the spit in it, which... In any other movie, it would have been hot. Um, and here, yeah. it was just kind so, of uh, somehow they managed to make that not hot. That pissed uh, me ha- off. like how fucking how. Uh, but anyway, uh, and and there's all of these like little oh my god, there's a fucking god awful sequence at the center of the movie where it's like a it's a montage of them like having fun together, and it's to oh my god, it's to Paris Hilton's song "Stars Are Blind." Oh. That's so quirky. Like who remembers that song? That song was so funny. Oh um, god, it's it's so an insult. The the way this film uses other media in itself. Yeah. Like <laughs> Oh haha, stars are blind, that's so quirky. Again, in a better film, I would be like, oh, is this kind of a self-aware comment on like what Paris Hilton is remembered for? Even yeah. though like what she's also mostly remembered for was essentially revenge porn being monetized. Uh no. Yeah. <laughs> no, it's just like, haha! Remember that dumb bitch song? <laughs> hey, yeah, we're gonna we're gonna just we're just gonna lift the song from Night of the Hunter now and put this in our movie. <laughs> <laughs> oh God, uh, yeah. So mm, I don't know. It, it just really, 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 ter- really terrible cinema. Um, but in either in either case, um. Yeah, and then his character is kind of, like, calling her a bitch, but, like, is, like, a funny, like, boyfriend way. Like, ah, oh, you bitch. Um, yeah. But. And that's that's supposed to be the red flag, but it, like, comes off so awkward and uncomfortable out of Bo Burnham's mouth, like, the way he delivers it, that it it just doesn't work. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. Um and uh of course kind of another uh another like little bit of uh elephant in the room thing uh there's that ending uh so ostensibly uh, okay there are several aspects to the ending um that i think are very like evil even is like an understatement yeah <laughs> uh because um so there's the ending, there's the part of the ending where she dresses up as kind of like a stripper and she goes to this party of the rapist who killed her friend, or well, who ostensibly killed her friend, the, the rapist who uh, was part of the situation that where they were gang raping her friend and her friend committed suicide, all this stuff, blah, 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 blah. So she has him in a room um, all to herself and they're kind of playing it up like she's going to kill him. Uh, and that doesn't happen. He just kind of gets free from his bonds and kills her. Uh, and it is really gruesome and it is really horrible. Um, it's not fun to view. It, it, it's also framed like a rape. Yes. Like that is how the film gets around. It's like, oh, we don't want to depict sexual violence is they, they very cleverly 
make the actual murder of the main character framed as if it was a rape scene. Yeah. Which is, um, like, why? Like, why put that in your fucking movie? Like, that you, you know that that is going to upset and, like, traumatize <laughs> the exact audience that you're kind of trying to curb here. Um, so, you know, kind of nonsensical to me. Uh, but whatever. I mean, like, yeah, I, I found it really, really upsetting. Um, which is maybe a little bit knee-jerk and a little bit like, oh, that's, that's the point! Are you triggered? Um, but I think that's even, that makes it even more cynical. Yeah. But then there's this whole thing where, oh, it was her plan to die because she left behind this note and all of this, this, you know, trail of breadcrumbs for the police. And you know who always kind of comes down on the right side in situations of rape? You know who's always like first to, you know, really jump up and like help rape survivors? Uh, the cops, right? Yeah. Uh, you know what the police are going to absolutely do in a situation in which um, a bunch of rich, white, well-connected men who previously got away with, like, gang rape uh, murdered somebody in a situation that 100% they have the ability to say uh, what happened and can claim and all of them would back each other up that it was self-defense and that it would be believable as self-defense because there's a long trail of evidence that this woman is obsessed with getting revenge on the people she uh, views as perpetrators of violence against her best friend. Yeah. The police. <laughs> <laughs> the police are, will always be there to help those in need. They definitely will not uh, cr crumple up your fucking posthumous memento note and toss it in the shredder. Like, fuck off. Just, just, uh, just by the way, real quick, uh, look this up. Um, crime clearance rate in the United States of America in 2019 by type. Uh, murder, uh, 61%. <laughs> <laughs> so she's got roughly a little over a coin flips chance of actually, uh, <laughs> of actually that, that plan working. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and I, you know, you have to, you have to imagine that for, for the crime of rape, the statistic is even more, uh, stark and disgusting. And um, that's, that's by, that, by the way, just for arrest, not even for successful conviction. <laughs> Good fucking lord. Uh, yeah. So, just a dog shit ending to an evil movie. Um, and, and it, like, I want to I wanna jump off of that, too, because, like, that also ties into, like, a lot of, like, the reason why the film doesn't work is because it's so afraid to commit to anything it does and in the process makes what it does more offensive. <laughs> Yeah. So no, absolutely. The the cartoon men were like all of these men are predators. You can get away with that in a Miss Forty Five style film because Miss Forty Five is already <laughs> a heightened reality film. A lot of like rape revenge films like have a similar sort of thing, or they have one set perpetrator that is the target, right? And the ones that have one set perpetrators usually tend to be more like like grounded firm more more of a heightened thriller and the ones that have like a miss 45 thing tend to be more exploitative it's more like emotive and you're supposed to be understanding that it's exaggerated for effect but this film doesn't want to commit to being either so it makes yeah. everything feel weird and yeah. um, 
the the thing of like the ending is because I was I was thinking about it and I was talking to friends about like how I could see how you could arrive at that ending, but you would need to have the first half of the film be completely different. Oh yeah. Because the ending would make sense if her little scheme of pretending to get drunk and being picked up by men was actually being presented as like self-destructive self-harm, which the film kind of seems to be doing, but it never Uh really portrays it as that. Like Carrie Mulligan is just portrayed as like, oh, you know, I'm just such a millennial. I live at home with my parents. Oh, I work a job I hate and I don't want to talk to customers. Yeah. Uh, I'm just like, this is just like a thing I do, but it's how I like reverse the power. And so like that becomes where it's like she doesn't want those scenes to have it appear that Cassie is actually doing something dangerous and is actually like self-harming herself and is actually putting herself at risk of real violence being visited upon her because that would undermine like her girl power bot, like yes, queen boss message. But by robbing that like element of like her encounters with people as part of her revenge thing, you don't get the sense that she has like a death drive. (laughs) <laughs> which is what yeah, would, which is what would make that ending make more sense is like if the if the point was that oh she doesn't think she can ever escape what happened to her friend and so she would rather die in this like hail mary martyr complex attempt to maybe get some justice like go out uh-huh. in a fiery explosion situation then you have to show that that's her character up until that point you can't just be like and then she does this thing <laughs> which like she hasn't done for the rest of the film because everything else she's done for the rest of the film she's acted like fucking hannibal lecter like she's like i'm making every decision exactly right and i'm fully in control the whole time yeah yeah i mean like the the tone of the movie is just absolutely like does not take any of that shit into consideration until it just decides to uh, super super late in the runtime which is you know obviously pretty inconsistent and weird and frustrating and um doesn't make a lot of sense but fucking whatever uh but yeah so there's kind of um also another thing to kind of touch on with this movie uh which is there was a review and Jay, I don't know if you want to talk about oh. this specifically because you're the one that you were the one that kind of found this stuff. Yes. Um, first off, let me just say I'm very I am somewhat glad this hasn't become as much of a conversation as I thought it would because I was really worried it would get picked up by like the right wing blogosphere types and turned into yeah. a culture war thing when it shouldn't be understood as a culture war thing. It should be understood as like an abuse of the culture war thing (laughs) by (laughs) it should be understood for what it is, which is an extension of the fact that this movie is a blatant, blatant Hollywood recuperation of the culture war things so that they can make more money with minimal amounts of change to the exploitative system that they run. Right. Uh, By the way, quick sidebar before we go into this, Carrie Mulligan did a quick, did a little bit of research Hasn't made a lot of statements about, uh, you know, any of the other major predators in Hollywood besides Weinstein after Weinstein got arrested. 
Interesting. Okay. Uh, check Kevin Spacey, nothing. Uh, Brian Singer, nothing. Lars von Trier, nothing. You know, I, I, I searched a couple names, couldn't find her saying anything. Uh, I did find her saying, though, that, you know, like, yeah, ever since Weinstein's been arrested, Hollywood's been great, actually. They're taking it really seriously, and there's no more sexual exploitation. You know? Just really re- rehabilitating Hollywood's image for them for free. Well, not for free. Let's be for honest. Free. <laughs> <laughs> so let's be honest here. This is this ain't for free. Uh, no, yeah. But yeah, so uh, Carrie Mulligan in an interview uh, was like, "It's important to speak up." You know, uh, we got we got to speak up and and call out and do accountables. Um, yeah. And so she called out this really misogynistic Variety review. That, uh, by the way, recently it came out, had been written about a year ago, and that previously uh, her the, – the firm that is representing the movie uh, had reached out to the review writer to get pull quotes from it because it was a good review of the movie and he had some good lines about it in it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, but a year later, she she was like, yeah, I've been reading that Variety review. You know, the one that everyone was Which, talking about. Specifically, she says, oh, it's uh, it's because I'm such a weak person. I'm and so I, weak. I, I can't oh. believe uh, I can't believe I read a review. I'm so um, it, I'm, I'm so it's, uh, it's like it's like a delicate thing. Yeah. You know, it's like, it's I, just like can't, yeah, I just can't. I just got to see like these psycho- bad things that people it's like psychological. Saying. It's like I have to, you know, it's, I just have to feel something, you know, so I just go check my reviews, which is like, shut the fuck up for yeah. one thing on that front. Um, but yeah, keep going, keep going. Oh, oh God, I have, I have a great quote that I just also found in another article, but I'll, I'll, we'll come back to that. So she goes, <laughs> she goes on and she says, um, da, 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 da. oh fuck, I can't find the, the exact, here it is. Uh, I'm a weak person. It wasn't some ego wounding thing. Like I fully can see that Margaret Robbie is a goddess, uh, but it feels like it was saying I wasn't hot enough to pull off this kind of ruse. And it drove me so crazy. Like, really? For this film? You're going to write something that is so transparent now in 2020? I just couldn't believe it. And in response, Variety is, A, not only at the time of a recording, considering firing the writer, who's a... Yeah. Uh, but also at the top of the review has now added editor's note... Variety sincerely apologizes to Carrie Mulligan and regrets the insensitive language and insinuation in a review that minimized her daring performance. Jay, can you do me a favor? Can you read the line, the the offending line? The, the line um, where he says she, she's not hot enough? Yeah. Um, yeah. Mulligan, a fine actress, seems a bit of an odd choice <laughs> as this admittedly many-layered apparent femme fatale. Margaret Robbie is a producer here, and one can perhaps easily imagine the role might have been intended for her. Whereas with this star, Cassie wears her pickup bait gear like bad drag. Even her long blonde hair seems a put on. The flat American accent she delivers in her lowest voice register likewise seems a bit meta, though it's not clear whether the quote marks around this performance signify. Still, like everything else here, the turn is skillful, (laughs) entertaining, and challenging. One, Carrie Mulligan's performance of this film, not very good. <laughs> I'm just gonna no. I'm just gonna say it. She it's it's not a great performance because she is in fact pretty miscast in the role. Yes. Uh I think that those critiques are far from being um misogynist, uh, you know, talking about her appearance or fucking whatever. Um, 
really have a lot to do with uh, the staging of the film and the fact that for uh, certain parts of the film, she was wearing like wigs and shit and, and like how much of a put on like all of this, uh, you know, uh, the, the whole film's attitude was uh, and her kind of inauthenticity in the face of that. That has everything to do with your skill as an actor. I understand how someone bringing up Margot Robbie's name uh, in comparison to you is kind of like, oh, this maybe feels like a hot or not thing in your fucking twisted narcissistic fucking mind. Uh, but, uh, in actuality, uh, the person reviewing this film is a 60 year old gay man who, who does not give a fuck. Who specifically said like in his response that he was talking about, it was like, yeah, I kind of assumed, especially since they, you know, had approached me for pull quotes from this review that it was understood that I was talking about like Margaret Robbie's like career thus far and how this character is written like a lot of characters margaret robbie has played because there's even a scene where she wears a wig that looks like the fucking harley quinn wig (laughs) it's literally (laughs) like it's it was a role that was practically written for margot robbie because like and you know margot robbie harley quinn uh what's her name on uh orange is the new black like all of these things like margaret robbie's character has pretty consistently played uh, or is pretty consistently known like for her roles where she plays a woman who seems very cheery and positive and kind of quirky, but is actually like super fucked up by trauma. Like that is Margaret Roby's like bread and butter. And that is clearly yeah. what this character seems to be roughly constructed to be like. And Carrie Mulligan does not convey that. She just conveys it as the, as the, the first layer of that. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And, and thus, it is fair to say that it comes off like bad drag, not because, oh, you're not, you, you look ugly, but because bad drag is when somebody's performance is very obviously false. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And it's like, what, like, Carrie Mulligan has, she was, what, like, the girlfriend in Dry, uh, in Drive. She has been in, like, some fucking coen brothers shit she was in pride and pride like you've you've never played a character like this before and it's it's like your first fucking attempt and like not everybody's you know it's just so it's it's so frustrating on those friends but it's also just like not only that but you are here let me actually just carry mulligan net worth let's just check on that uh cool 16 million dollars uh so a 16 million dollar actress a millionaire um, who has thrown a sixty-year-old uh, writer's uh, fucking career into disarray and possibly uh, has destroyed it uh, off the back of a completely like misinterpreted and uh, oversensitive fucking reaction to a perfectly valid criticism of her performance and presentation in uh, this movie. Uh, this sets us such an amazing precedent. Yeah, real, real girl boss shit, man. Like, good, good work. You really fucking showed him. It, it, it really is like. It's sad that even within the last year, this isn't the most cynical example of this stuff. The most cynical example was when the literal, like, president of Disney. Tried to say that oh Martin Scorsese God. was racist for saying that Marvel movies aren't good. 
I like seriously like the Disneyfication of like all of this like language and the sort of like you know the 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 sort of like oh political politically conscious blah and it's like this is fucking evil <laughs> like like no this like you you're literally co-opting shit that is supposed to help the poor and uh, like underrepresented minorities and people who are being destroyed and fucking ruined by the system there is still like untold genocide and like slavery and nightmarish shit that is fucking happening in america still uh but because disney profits off of that shit they have to minimize um you know kind of the importance and the effect of those by saying that you're racist if you don't like ryan coogler's big superhero movie which is here's here's the exact not even that's the thing is like it's not even like scorsese singled out black panther scorsese just said I don't like Marvel movies. They strike me more as roller coasters, which is basically just saying they strike me more as like attractions rather than like cinema. Like that's not what I would consider a film. And Bob Iger, CEO of a media company that is a, the biggest in the world and b roughly worth $130 billion responded to that (laughs) with, if they want to bitch about movies, it's certainly their right. Are you telling me that Ryan Coogler making Black Panther is doing something that somehow or another is less than anything Marty Scorsese or Francis Ford Coppola have ever done on any one of their movies? Come on. Which is an insane statement to make because it's like Martin Scor- one Martin Scorsese like probably wouldn't have anything bad to say about Ryan Coogler's like filmography outside of Marvel because Ryan Coogler makes films that are very clearly of the same genre that like Scorsese likes to make. Yeah. And two, absolutely. And two, Martin Scorsese literally like with his own money, where with his own money is like running film preservation programs to help like boost celebrate and preserve cinema from around the world yeah like he's literally doing so fucking much actual marginalized communities that whose films would probably just never be seen in the west or very easily could get lost when we inevitably invade their country (laughs) like he is actually doing work around stuff like that with his own money and a dude who runs a company that will literally just take over movie theater chains and be like, you're not allowed to show films that won't make us five extra dollars this month is, is being like, anyway, like you're, you're trying to do this because what you're saying might infringe my brand. And this is like this shit with Carrie Mulligan and in, in in a review feels very much. So like, they were like, we need to drum up some press for this film. We need to drum up some sort of misogynistic conflict and maybe promising young woman wasn't getting enough like negative comments on 4chan or whatever. So they were just like, find a review that says something that we can, we can misconstrue as sexist. Yeah. Yeah. Just, you know, a very kind of cynical controversy grabbing thing. Um, that is really, really frustrating and doesn't, doesn't even fucking like bring the conversation forward at all. It's, it's literally, just kind of splitting hairs over over bullshit um and, and it's obviously I, I don't know it's 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 really obvious at a certain point how 
uh, kind of fake it is. And like, let's be clear here about something. Carrie Mulligan, uh, the reason I brought up earlier her doing this like f- this like labor, this emotional labor <laughs> for Hollywood <laughs> of kind of helping recuperate their image in the public eye and like downplaying and being like, yeah, it really was just Weinstein. And now, you know, there's just not a problem of it. Hollywood absolutely still chews women up and spits them out and uses them and judges them and reviews them and defines their value by their appearance and whether or not audiences will want to fuck them. Yeah, that shit hasn't gone away. But she will absolutely take one mostly glowing review that contains a small line critiquing her performance as miscast and seems kind of like a bad put on and ironic has quotes around it. Uh, (laughs) And she will literally present this as if this is where misogyny in the film industry is coming from is the fifth paragraph in a glowing review for your fucking garbage movie. (laughs) And I mean, like even us talking about it feels really fucking uh, frustrating because that's like the whole point is like, you know, uh, get some, get some, uh, get, get some static out there. Get some buzz. Uh, get, get people and, talking you know. about everything we're doing with our movie. Yeah. Um, but, but just the cynical manipulation of things that people have spent a decade plus trying to get into the public conversation and trying to get addressed and trying to like take seriously only yeah. for it to just immediately be recuperated and used as a way to brand films that are being built on the back of the same things that they always were built on. Yeah. Um, yep. It, here, insert uh, that Rosaria Dawson interview. Or no, Rose McGowan interview, where she just fucking like straight up says like, these people uh, who are trying to lead the Me Too movement as time's up uh, are just doing are are a hundred percent guilty and involved in all this stuff and are trying to cover it up. Yeah, yeah, I definitely, <laughs> I, I, you know, I, 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 there's, there's kind of a sort of like mean girls flavor, um, to this specific type of like fakery and kind of manufactured, uh, really manufactured consent, which is a funny, funny, funny way to apply that i guess uh but yeah i don't know it's it's not fun yeah it's not fun it's not fucking cool um and uh hey uh carrie mulligan if you want to call us out if you want <laughs> if you want to get mad at us uh we're trans uh, so we win we got the we got the higher <laughs> we got the higher dps here <laughs> that's what i <laughs> hey you want to play that... this game you want to go toe-to-toe in the ring yeah <laughs> They call it they call it a trap card for a reason, oh my bitch. God. So uh put that in your fucking pipe and smoke it. Um But yeah, so <laughs> we've really we really had a lot of energy to uh kind of expel on this one. Um Yeah. You know? It's uh I, I feel like I've barely even scratched the surface of things in this film that annoyed me. Oh so okay. <laughs> yeah, Actually, for real. Let's go even for let's go back to like some of the directorial choices that pissed me off. Opening sure, your sure. film with an ironic, like, oh, what if we did the male gaze <laughs> but on guys dancing? Wouldn't that be so crazy? Uh and doing oh, it in a bro. that pissed me off. 
because it should have been hot. Another thing that this film like is like you should have <laughs> like if you're going to do the ironic male gaze on men, I should want to fuck those men. Exactly. But it didn't. And it so... just looked awkward and uncomfortable because she didn't know what the fuck she was doing. <laughs> <laughs> They're so unfuckable. Did you not see the video for Charlie XCX's boys? Thank you. There's so there's so Come much on. there's so much stuff you could have just stolen from it if your point was like, we're gonna make the first few shots of this man like uh, like triggered men. Like, no, because like they're not gonna fucking notice that that's what you're doing because you're bad at it and you don't know how to actually do it. Well, that's literally also like a part of male presentation is this whole thing of just like, oh, uh, you know, they, 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 they dress themselves down and they try to look like shit because they don't want people to look at them because they're fucking afraid yeah. of that. Uh, because, you know, because they know what they do and blah, yada, yada, yada. So like, I don't know, to kind of not be cognizant of that or to kind of like, oh, Look at look at this! Isn't it so disarming to turn the gaze on people who are dressing dressed in their fucking work shirt and khakis? And, and it's like y you're really not getting the point yeah. of like how society is structured and how this shit functions. If that's like you know the the, the takeaway that you have, just uh, uh, no, no, it's it's such a just like doesn't not getting the point. <laughs> such a <laughs> such a not getting the point and like not executing it well. And then if that that annoyed me and then immediately after that, I had to like pause the film. And this is like five minutes in. I was like already sick of this is the first shot <laughs> we get of Cassie, the main character. And she's on a intersection of chairs. So it looks kind of like a cross literally pretending to be drunk, doing the Jesus crucifixion pose. And I yeah, was like, that, are you fucking on. kidding me? You the, the first shot in your film famously jesus's story starting with his crucifixion like what <laughs> you know go off evangelion yeah oh just it's, oh that that was like another quote i had i had pulled up was uh uh, we often see Cassie in positions that are Christ-like. In the first shot of her, she has her arms spread like a cross, and the image repeats itself a few times in the film. Can you talk about that biblical imagery? Absolutely. It's one of the things that early on was on my mind, that Cassie is an avenging angel. And it's sort of biblical without it sounding like overblown. It has the simplicity, actually, I hope, of a parable or a biblical story and a sort of morality tale we were told growing up. Certainly a kind of journey in threes that you get in these stories. So for me, it was important that Avenging Angel was never overtly stated, but always implied. So the first time we see her, she's sort of splayed out and kind of drunk, but it is almost like a crucifixion. For me, there is no more position more powerful and vulnerable than that. It's got two things Cassie has, power and vulnerability. Again, she doesn't, she doesn't have that. I just feel like giving her that strength in the beginning made sense. And then going through it, we got halos and wings and all sort of little things behind her. That's why so much filmmaking is a unique art form, really. That was the line where I was like, do you understand your genre of your medium of choice? Like you just <laughs> discovered like, guys, you can make things in movies like look like things from other things. Dude, you can like use uh, images to like you know like explain and uh, get across concepts i i'm, I'm learning with, with all the subtlety of like a friends episode that ends with them all doing the last supper pose like fucking christ 
It's, I mean, like, yet another, like, really cynical, it's just, like, baiting for some fucking, like, I don't know, video essay asshole, uh, you know, says this as a video essay asshole, but, like, some some video essay prick to, like, talk about, oh, like, did you notice? Like, five things you didn't notice about promising young woman. It's, you know, and, and it's just so artless, and it's so joyless, uh, and, 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 yeah. Yeah. Just a lot of shit like that. Uh, it's funny you say that. Carrie Mulligan says not to miss this detail in Promising Young Woman. My character <laughs> makes up different characters, Mulligan explains. She goes out in totally different personas, and makeup is a really important thing. We went from really vast extremes, sort of a proper bodycon outfit and scraped back hair, like a Kardashian look, which was so much fun. And then she plays the sort of young, vulnerable, almost teenage girl. Just like, don't miss this incredible detail. When my character is dressed as different people, she's pretending to be different people. <laughs> don't miss this incredible detail. Uh, me doing my job. Yeah, <laughs> don't miss this incredible detail. Acting. <laughs> oh, the, the teeny tiny detail that remains consistent uh, is that she had this amazing manicure where each finger was painted a different color of pastel. Wow, that's an amazing detail. That's such an amazing glad, detail, yeah. I'm glad that I noticed that. I think that's, I, I, you know. I noticed her manicure in one scene, and I was like, yeah, bitches who act like this do be having manicures like that. <laughs> <laughs> Basically, there are a thousand better rape revenge movies that you can be out there watching. Um, and uh, this one is frankly one of the most evil things i've ever seen in my life i uh i had talked out of my friend lonnie and i wish i could remember what it was offhand but they were telling me about because like they they, they've been really into watching like 70s exploitation films and whatnot and they were telling about like yeah there's like movies i've watched that like were definitely made by actual misogynists that still managed to tell the same sort of story better just because because they end up in the process giving the women like actual senses of autonomy in the film and actual senses of like who they are and not just this like gross gazy thing where it's like here's here's my uh fantasy of a rape revenge movie that doesn't have any violence against it because violence in movies is bad it's just such a st- like a uh you know like a stunted conversation about like violence and like the nature of violence and all of this fucking shit, because you kind of, obviously you have to talk about it. You don't have to depict it, obviously. Uh, that's, you know, not a necessary aspect of it necessarily. Um, I, but you do have to talk about it in a way that's like complex and in a way that is, you know, respectful. Uh, I will say 2009's Catalan Varga by, uh, oh. I think Peter Strickland is his name. The same guy who did In Fabric and uh, oh. That's That is a, a rape revenge film that is not particularly violent and also does not depict the rape. Uh, because the film essentially starts 10 years after it. Uh, and it's, I, I would say that it is a film that is essentially about the long term bomb of like that kind of trauma and like how it can yeah. just go off years down the line because essentially what the, the inciting incident of the film is that uh, the main character's husband finds out 
that their child isn't his because the child is the pro- their child is the product of the rape. And so she sets out with her child to hunt down that man. Uh, Fuck yeah. And there's an, there is an incredible scene where uh, it's one of the most like stressful scenes I've seen in a film this in like the past month. Cause I watched it this month or this last month uh-huh. uh, where it's her, uh, one of her rapists uh, and his wife, whom he married like, you know, years later uh, sitting in a boat and he doesn't recognize her and they're talking. And then she just starts recounting this incident that is the incident of like the, the rape. And it's the first time that it's really discussed in the film. And as she's discussing it, you know, you see the wife having this very like sympathetic, like, oh, my God, that's horrible response. And the husband just getting like more and more uncomfortable as he realizes what she's describing. Yeah. <laughs> and it's like anytime it cuts back to her describing it, it's like a uh, like steady cam shot. But the boat is like spinning more and more out of control as she's doing it. Such, oh such a stressful scene. Uh, and it's like it's. It, it does. It plays with the same sort of themes that this film does, but like in a much more interesting way. Even right down to like the woman being shown as like much more self-destructively minded and much more martyr complex minded, because to her, the the one thing of stability she has carved out from this, she has now lost because of this thing that happened ten years ago. Yeah, that sounds a lot more subtle. Yeah, because <laughs> <laughs> I mean, like. Basically, that exact scene happens in Promising Young Woman, sort of. Uh, it kind of happens within the context of um, the uh, ending that I was talking about before, where she kind of has the guy tied up on the bed. Yeah. Uh, and she's like, oh, do you remember when you, like, uh, you know, did that? my friend? Oh my like she's dead now. Yeah. Uh, I'm going to uh-huh. carve her name into you. Nina, that's it. I finally remembered the character's name. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we don't meet her, so it's not like, you know. Yeah. It's I, I remember I was talking with someone too while I was watching it because in the that scene she talks about how brilliant and smart her friend is and how she would have gone on to do so much science and all of these cool things and how she yeah. was such a promising young woman and I was talking to my friend and is like man it's a good thing that her friend is like fucking Dr. House like a, a child prodigy otherwise it wouldn't be tragic what happened to her <laughs> like seems to be the implicate like like because it's like the way they talk about her friend is just like it's entirely just in like oh she would have contributed so much to the world and it's like that's not like yeah that's also makes it tragic but like that is what you were giving the audience is like this is how you know that it's sad that she died she would have contributed so much capital yeah oh she would have uh the gdp with her still alive uh, can you imagine she could have stopped coronavirus i'm just saying <laughs> <laughs> well she could have also been hitler oh. so there's two sides to every yeah. uh, every coin we don't hey you know what cassie we don't know what your friend could have done maybe she could have killed you think about it <laughs> <laughs> all right all right whatever point being um not a very well thought out <laughs> or or rather kind of a movie that thinks it's way fucking smarter than it actually is. Yeah. Uh which it shouldn't be the case. It should be that like you know, <laughs> like rape revenge stories by women are usually fucking great. Um and women should be like at the front of the fucking line to, you know, to talk about that shit as you know, in particular in cases where the like main character is a woman. Um, cause Lord knows we have like a lot of movies by dudes about this shit 
uh, which is, you know, complicated, obviously. Uh, but, you know, it comes right back to capitalism, ruining absolutely everything. <laughs> yeah, no, it's, it's fucking, uh, it sucks. It sucks to see this shit get reconstituted back into the structures that create it. Yeah. Um, yeah, and it sucks to see it getting lauded. Like, people people seem to, I mean, like, it's getting a lot of attention, it's getting a lot of, uh, you know, positivity generated toward it on Letterboxd um, and other places. Uh, and, you know, it's, it's frustrating to see people who otherwise, I think, kind of should fucking know better. Um, you know, just kind of blindly getting behind it but i don't know that's just that's just me it's all just a matter of uh of opinion you know and i i you know obviously if you get something out of this film that's fine there i there there are things that i could like i i can see that are appreciative of it but i do think it is worthwhile to still at least be critical of the role it is coming to fill and the the way it is heralding a a new approach to making cinema uh, harder to criticize. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> to uh, putting critics' uh, livelihoods in deep and extreme danger. And, and uh, you know, creating kind of a very difficult boundary because, you know, I, it's, it's funny. It's funny that it's kind of like a, a concern of, like, boundaries almost uh, with regard to fucking revenge feature where um you know a millionaire actress has to kind of uh endanger uh a critic uh which i feel like there's kind of an obvious precedent that that act you know actresses and people who work on these films uh should maybe shut the fuck up yeah no there's a there's there's definitely uh you know a power power dynamic here at play uh it's not the one (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> that they're trying to make you think it is. Yeah, exactly. Uh, also, completely forgot Laverne Cox is in this film. They kind of just drop her until the very end. Feels really weird. Yeah. Feels really weird to cast her in a role that is essentially a sassy black friend to uh, <laughs> Carrie Mulligan's main character. You know? who A character who then immediately proceeds to just not have any emotional arc. <laughs> Yeah. Like, we don't... Literally a movie. Does she even like, know that her friend has been missing at the end? Yeah, <laughs> like, right. what's going yeah. on in that scene? <laughs> like, she she just disappears from the movie once she's no longer needed to the plot. And that feels like... It feels really weird to have Laverne Cox cast in that kind of role in a film. Because it feels real fraught. <laughs> it's... It's that. And it's so unchallenging to too for 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 someone like her and it's so like it's really gratuitous and pointless um yeah her character her characterization was really really dark just kind of the character for people who uh like to hear a character go girl yeah oh over and over again which um is similarly kind of demeaning and moralizing i i will say it was nice to see uh allison brie once again doing her role of playing uh just a bitch 
<laughs> like she she's done I feel like I've seen her in like five films post community where like she's like oh I need to like type like break against typecasting myself as like the mousy like mousy little like easily like oh overwhelmed like girl like kind of naive girl and so she just plays like a bitch in like a bunch of films and I I really like it because she's really good at it <laughs> she's Oh yeah, no, she's fantastic. The, the her line delivery on the like, "Hey, can I have you? Can I make like one last request?" Like she's gonna ask something politely, and then just like very curtly, never fucking contact me again. Incredible, incredible line delivery. <laughs> <laughs> oh god, for her to play like kind of a you know by 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 the standards of the narrative, but kind of like a shitty person is yeah it's 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 really funny it it is the thing of like it is not it much like how we always say of marvel it's not the matter of whether or not you like marvel movies it is whether or not you can be set aside your personal taste or distaste for them to be critical of the ways they are being cynically deployed toward to further the consumption as political identity model that all of these companies are trying to push because they want you to think that buying a product is the same thing as having convictions. Yeah. I, yeah, exactly. Like, oh, I boycotted something. That's like a protest, right? I went and saw this movie because the right people were mad about it. Yeah. <laughs> or I didn't because go and see this movie. Mo- yeah, because of a, a literal forum war. Like, come on, don't. That's don't make thing. your art deci- like, don't make your art watching decisions based on like who gets mad or not if you go and see it. <laughs> For fucking real, like that's that's so that's that's how you get fucking manipulated, and it's like it's so weird to be kind of an elder millennial who went through that phase, yeah, and like kind of you know engaged with all this kind of like forum war type shit or whatever. Um, to see other people falling into it on like a fucking enormous scale through thing through like reddit and twitter and everything is um interesting it's certainly interesting uh yeah i mean like i've we've all been there i used to i i i always said half-life 2 was a hallway simulator because it made people i didn't like pissed off that's (laughs) (laughs) but the difference is i didn't pretend that it was anything political to it i was just being an asshole (laughs) like (laughs) Yeah, it's not a political identity. It's just being a contrarian. Just own up to that, at least. Uh, and it's... It, it is a thing where it's like, ultimately, you should all speak critical of this stuff because it takes discussions about the place of marginalized creators or voices and perspectives that we don't see much. And then it just kind of shuffles around the same people who are already at the top of it and like maybe yeah. swaps one or two of them out for like their friend. Yeah, exactly. Like, oh, fantastic. A fucking Oxford grad who like thrived on fucking nepotism and produced a bunch of bullshit uh, is now talentlessly fucking throwing her hat in the ring to, you know, try to make her statement movies. Um, right. Fucking thank you so much. We really needed that. We, we really need that from some fucking white woman. Yeah, right. Who's just wildly rich beyond my entire, beyond my fucking imagination. And it was in the Danish girl, which is very funny. 
Like, but yeah, no, that's <laughs> but but truly just a radioactive uh, influence on society. Every time you you sort of see that sort of argument, and you almost get pulled into like, well, I got to see this movie because misogynists don't like it, or I got to see this movie because racists are mad about it, or whatever. Do yourself a favor and seek out small art made by whatever community you're thinking of there and buy it. Yeah. Because if that is ultimately your goal, those $9 that you are spending (laughs) will actually go directly to them. It will not go to fucking who like, it will not go to fucking Bob Iger's bank account. All right. It will actually go straight to the people who actually want and need that money. And you'll get something probably really good out of it. And, you know, you can still go see these movies. You can still like them, whatever. But if you're engaging with it in this way, please go a step further. Take the time to actually find work that is smaller, that you seeing can actually make a difference of. And it doesn't even have to be like, you know, like Joe, like Joe Schmo like uh like nobody work like you can you can go see the fits the the fits yeah. is great it's a small film even just even just seeing that will probably contribute more directly to that person than seeing something like promising young woman yeah fucking god the fits fucking atlantics fucking like god there's just there there's so much you have, we we talked about and, house and, of hummingbird a lot but house of hummingbird another great female like also a great film like yeah. a female director where your support of it probably is going to matter a lot more because it isn't a it isn't backed by huge studios with a ton of money yeah absolutely and it, and you know think of it <laughs> i i i i don't know i people maybe kind of bristle at uh, you know, I'm not going to try to get into people's heads. I don't know why people don't seek out art film in in, in the way that they I feel should. Um, but I feel like when you see a movie that is actually good, and like when I mean actually good, I mean like Disney has not fucking touched it. Yeah. Um. It's it's like it's like when you eat a it's like when you eat like a carrot for the first time in a while, <laughs> and your body's just like, oh fuck, I needed those vitamins. Holy shit! Like. That is like that effect is really, really strong in, you know, in in movies that are actually going to kind of um, kind of, you know, expand your horizons and and also financially uh, go directly toward. Yeah. Helping someone, helping their community and, and, you know, that kind of shit. Miss Juneteenth, another example. Great, great fucking movie. Way fucking like leagues fucking better than this shit. And, and you supporting it, even even just watching it on a on a rental service or streaming it, probably will matter more because it's like, you know, if if it's not a film that's getting this massive attention, your those things actually matter a little bit more. And you don't even have to keep yeah. yourself to just films. You can go music. Bandcamp is a great way to go directly support artists that, who are doing interesting stuff. Yeah. Gumroad is a great way to support artists who are doing interesting stuff. Itch.io is a great way to support artists who are doing interesting stuff. None of this is to be like in the annoying like give your money to X group, just go consume without thinking. But it is to say that like if you are seeking art made by people of XYZ community, yeah. there are better places to look than whatever fucking billion dollar project is being pushed right now. Well, I mean, like, yeah, exactly. And that, and the discussion really like, 
you know, the whole thing of like, oh, seek out uh, art from marginalized communities and from, from, from horror creators. Like, the discussion doesn't end there. The discussion fucking starts yeah. there. And like, I, w- I would love to just kind of have my little fun movie club podcast where we talk about just things that are in that world. You know what I mean? Like, I, I don't even, I, I don't even want to have to watch these fucking dog shit you know, ten million dollar <laughs> projects. Uh like it does absolutely nothing for me. Um so yeah, we have to really kind of like it, that that's that's the beginning of where your thinking has to be is just like, oh, if you want if you want to hear this story, hear it from people who are qualified to fucking tell it, first and foremost. Uh and not from craven Hollywood lunatics who are uh hell bent on just infecting you with their insane rich person cynicism um, so that they can take advantage of you better. Uh, anyway, congratulations to uh, Emerald Fennell and Carrie Mulligan on your one, two, three, four, four Golden Globe nominations. <laughs> oh, gonna sweep it. Let's fucking, let's sweep it, y'all. Ladies, this one's for the ladies. Oh, ladies. I don't, don't the ladies deserve a dub? Literally, literally was just announced yesterday <laughs> and i was like yeah. oh i gotta see i gotta see how many nominations they got because of fucking course they yep. got nominations <laughs> oh fucking whatever people throw out their golden globes all the time yeah. i think that's promising young woman uh to kind of make up for a lot of shorter episodes um yeah here's our here's yeah. our extremely long we were like oh maybe we'll do a double episode for this one and then i was like we're gonna have so much to talk about with this fucking movie <laughs> oh yeah no there's just so much ground to cover there's so much shit um but yeah thank you emerald fennel for um cursing my life for, for being my enemy uh until the until the moment i'm you know until the moment i'm dead in the ground um and yeah thank you to it's the fucking production company who, who put this shit out it's um lucky chap uh at, but focus yeah. films is the ones who distribute it uh lucky focus. chap i think is yeah lucky chap is margaret robbie's uh production company i see um well they're you, the focus. ones who also did birds of prey uh and apparently greta gerwig's barbie film <laughs> that's coming out <laughs> i i'll watch that they did also do <laughs> Itania, which I thought was okay. <laughs> I kind of hated Itania. <laughs> I, I Itania, I had kind of similar problems with. It kind of feels like it was getting off on oh, on the exploitation. The, I can, I can see that exploitation. I think, um, I think that's totally fair. That's perhaps a conversation for another day. Um, in Birds of Prey, Birds of Prey was okay. I mean, it was fucking junk food. Who cares? Not worth talking about. Uh, We've talked but, about that one enough. Yeah, exactly. For real, go watch our birds. Of- did we have a Birds of Prey episode? We did. I, I, I okay. because we saw because we saw it in theaters re- together. I'm pretty sure. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. That's right. Uh, before times. Birds of Prey. Let me, let me double check this. Yeah, we did it. Uh, it was it was a double feature. Sonic the Hedgehog. <laughs> oh, that's fucking right. Oh, that was like right at the verge of. Oh, man. Right, right, right on that edge. Eleven months ago. Yeah. All right. Well, yeah, go check out our Birds of Prey and our Sonic the Hedgehog episode. Why not? Um, and yeah, thanks for joining us. Uh, this sure was a ride. Yeah. Um, what the hell's our fucking? Uh, so we have we have a page we have a patron exclusive uh, show for our Patreon subscribers. It's called Film Critics. There's a back and we talk about movies from bygone eras from any year. Um, JD, remember what the fucking 
pole was yes um it was sibling directors such a such a long concept but it's like it was sibling directors um not premiere the debut like their debut Yeah. yeah Uh, which was entirely just like I forgot how we got on it, but I basically looked into it and I was like, "There's actually a, like a a decent handful of sibling directors who have debut films that are interesting to talk about." So that yeah. is that is what it is, and I believe Bound uh, won. Oh my god! I actually just rewatched Bound. I, I so... heard, yeah, I saw, I saw you guys just rewatched. <laughs> I actually saw that you rewatched it, and it reminded me to check the poll, and I saw that Bound had won. So I was like, "Oh, that that must have been why they watched it was because uh, it won the the poll." But no, no weird coincidence. Uh, it, just, it, it did just win. It won the poll, and you guys also watched it. I'm really excited for that. We should we should, we can record that whenever I guess. Because yeah, I, I, I kind of wanted to watch I kind of wanted Blood Simple to win secretly because I think Blood Simple is a fucking heater, and I want to show it to as many people as possible. But uh, Bound similarly is an absolute fucking heater, uh, so I'm very excited for that episode. Uh, I will also say I also watched um, Dead. Uh, Dead, not Dead Hook in a Truck. I watched the Soka Sisters, who's on our list. Their their film that they're known for, American Mary, because uh, I saw a few reviews talking about this film referencing it, and it's very mm. uneven, but it's uneven in a way that's more enjoyable and is also uh, a rape revenge film. Um, oh, I see. And a thing huh. that I find really interesting about the film is that it uses underground surgery within the body modification community as like a metaphor for sex work oh weird like it's it it took me a bit of getting it's basically the main character just like because she goes to try out to work at like a strip club because she needs just like another job because she's behind on bills and it's like affecting her medical like her medical school life Uh um and then what happens is she ends up performing like an illegal surgery on like this guy that the mob boss who runs the strip club needs help with. And so it becomes this thing where she starts getting clients who want her to do extreme body mods for them because they heard that she'll do like illegal underground surgery stuff. And then because she starts getting all of this under the table money from it, the people at her school start thinking that she's doing sex work. And it just very quickly becomes like very clear that like, oh, that's the metaphor they're going for here is that this is a metaphor for like the extreme underground, you know, the extreme underground industries that women sometimes have to work in in order to survive (laughs) and the kind of violence (laughs) that it leads them open to because of it. Mm. Very, okay, that sounds, very, very that interesting sounds really film. Good. It's it's got, like I said, it's got some pacing issues. It's kind of sloppy in some ways. It is an exploitation film made by two twin sisters who like definitely are super into like straight to DVD horror stuff. But it was definitely a more compelling film than Promising Young Woman. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Uh, also, don't forget uh, if you haven't joined our Discord, we got a Discord link will be yeah. down below. Uh, patrons have their own little their own little private chat rooms in, in, in it as well, but it's still a, a fun little fun little space to hang out. We talk about films, we got channels for pictures of your cat, channels for talking about games, and also channels for talking about. I'm pointing at you. What's the other thing we do? Uh oh, streaming! streaming. We got a channel <laughs> to announce our streams. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> 
<laughs> um, yeah, I'm streaming uh, what, uh, uh, Tuesday and Friday. Um, and uh, yeah, and I'm a little VTuber. I'm a little, I'm a little rabbit. I'm a rabbit cartoon. Uh, Jay, when are you streaming? Uh, I stream currently Mondays, uh, Wednesdays, and uh, Saturdays. And this, well, I guess this will be old by the time it's up, but I, I, I'm going to be playing the Dexter game <laughs> at some point. <laughs> cool. Fuck yeah. Uh, yeah, stoked for that. That's going to be fun. Um, yeah, so coming out on our streams are really fun. I've been playing Hades on uh, Tuesday. Come hang out on all fronts. And yeah, thanks again for joining. Uh, my name is Brew. Uh, my name is Jay Bearhat. Bye. Bye. <laughs>